This podcast is brought to you by this Racing New South, South Wales to you Sky by Racing, Racing and New South Wales. Sunday, July the 5th will be a unique day in the long history of English when two major sales come together as traditional physical auctions at the world-class Riverside Complex at Warwick Farm. At 10am sharp, Easter Round 2 will get underway with 94 outstanding lots by world-class stallions like Brazen Bow, Deepfield, Dundeal, Exceed and Excel, Not a Single Doubt, Fastnet Rock, Frankel, I Am Invincible, Lonro, Schnitzel, Piero, and So You Think, with first season sires like American Pharaoh and Capitalist represented. English have decided to bring the famous scone sale to Riverside this year with a catalogue of 156 lots. This auction will begin immediately after Easter Round 2 concludes. All horses will be at Riverside from Thursday, July 2nd for your inspection. Who would have thought the famous Easter sale would have a winter session? Who would have dreamed the popular scone sale would come to town? Inglis have taken extraordinary steps to accommodate vendors and buyers in extraordinary times. It's really happening. Easter Round 2 and the scone sale together under the same roof on Sunday, July 5th. Segment two with our special guest, Shane Scriven. Around 1989-1990, you had a terrific association with a very good horse called Prince Salieri. You rode him in his first 13 start, Shane, for the late Bill Calder, who later trained Chief De Beers. You won a Group 1 Castlemaine Stakes on Prince Salieri and you were riding on a stay of proceedings that day. That's right, John. Um, again, another – he was – well, he was my champion, the Prince. I, I really uh, had a soft spot for him. He did it day. The, the horseman that, no, you know, if you – I could talk to that horse and I swear he understood me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, had a, a good association with his owners, Billy Calder, uh, certainly one of the, the, the best trainers Queensland's ever, ever had. His, uh, his records outstanding with, with group horses. And again, he, he'd uh, showed us quite a bit. Uh, the Prince culminating in his, his mile, always thought he could run a bit of a journey. Mm. Um, I was riding on a stay of proceedings because we'd actually quite infringed under the rules in the size produce uh, 10 days prior. Um, and I, I, I swore that it wasn't my fault. But, uh, again, one of those um, arguments that I'd had plenty with with the stewards over the years. Um, but I was granted to stay at proceedings, so luckily I, I went into the castle main full of confidence. The little horse, had, he, he'd run great over 1,400. He'd, he'd gone on with the job. Uh, it was a bit disheartening when he, he drew closer to the outside than the inside mm. you know, at that barrier draw. I'd, I'd done a... A lot of homework on the racing. I knew what I had underneath me and I knew what I had to do and it was one of those races that uh, uh, un- unfolded just the way I liked it and, and went to the line with, uh, well, I I got up inside uh, Mick Dittman and Shane Dye mm-hmm. and one was Dr Grace. Uh, Shane was on Dr Grace and Mick was on Stargazer mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just got the photo finished but 
Lo and behold, no sooner weighed in and, and Mick decided to throw in a protest. Actually, I think it was Tommy. Tommy Smith claimed Stargate. And I mm. think uh, it was Tommy's idea to protest. So, again, it was nervous times to, mm. to whether I'd hold it. Uh, but I was I was confident. And uh, the steward seen it that way for me too. Uh, mm. th- thank goodness. Well, a couple of months after winning the Castle Main, he went to Melbourne. You went with him. Uh, you ran second in the Ascot Vale Stakes. You ran third in the Caulfield Guineas. Uh, that Guineas was won by a ruffie uh, called Procol Harum, Darren Beedman and the Woodlands Organisation, and I think he was close to 100 to 1. But you didn't get to ride Prince Salieri again for almost two years, by which time he was being trained by the great George Hanlon, and uh, you were able to... Uh, renew your association with him. You won a Group 1 Underwood Stakes on Prince Salieri. You ran second in a CF4. You ran third in an Australian Cup. You ran third in a George Ryder, third in a Doncaster to Soho Square, and then third in a two-rack handicap, another Group 1. Shane, he was about a length short, wasn't he, of those real top Group 1 horses? That's... Pretty spot on, Johnny. Yeah, he uh, he performed well for a, a number of years. Um, he'd he'd out he'd out, out handicapped himself here in Brisbane, and it was a, a little bit of disappointment. The, his future lied down south, um, and the the owners had spoken to different trainers. And uh, Mister Calder, he, he got very upset when they they never. The owners didn't take the horse off him. It was it was a natural progression, but there was a bit of a falling out there. And and when the horse went south, um, they decided that he he was to stay. He first went to Sydney, mm. and then he made his way to to Victoria. But in in those couple of years, he'd um, well, I'm, I'm sure he never won a race, but he was racing well below uh, what what we thought he could do. Mm. And it was only. Um, after a couple of years that the, the owners had rung me and asked me, would I be interested in linking back up with him? He'd, he'd found his way to, to Mr Hanlon's then and mm. uh, I was I was wrapped to get back on him. As I said, I, I had an affiliation with the horse. I, I, I loved him. And, yeah, we, we built back up into all those sort of races. It was uh, it was a time around – Cyril Small, my good mate, was – was riding Bow Rogues, and nine times out of ten, Cyril and I'd be on the plane together in our suits. And, mm. You know, we we were living the life of of, of Group One jockeys. You know, tra- mm. travelling to the to the big races. Um, needless to say, you know, Cyril was usually celebrating because they would undoubtedly win, win in his uh, exciting style. And and the Prince, although not winning those those big races, uh, he he was always in in the placings. And it, it took champions. They, he, he wasn't beaten by good horses. He was beaten mm. by champions. You know, the likes of uh, Better Loosen Up, uh, Let's Elope. Though mm. um, Rogue, he, he ran a couple of times against Vaux in the Australian Cup. Mm. Um, all, all those champions of, of that era. A vintage era, wasn't it? Now, he also ran in that rough Cox Plate of 1992, which was won by Superimpose. He finished sixth officially. You were only two and a half lengths from the winner. Now, you jumped a fallen horse. I think you jumped naturalism coming down by the school, didn't you? 
Yes, yeah, I can remember that like it was yesterday. Um, you know, naturalism was, Mick was right, naturalism was a short price favourite. Uh, vintage form looked like the horse to beat. And I remember just being in behind him and uh, knew Mick was getting tight. So I, I just sort of starting to think, I, I don't want to be where I am. And uh, next thing, down went naturalism. Uh, God bless his cotton socks. Princey just left him like he, he should have been at the Grand Annual. Mm. Um, so goodness knows how much ground that would have cost us. But then I again, I, I ended up stuck on the inside on the home turn and, and got jammed up on the on the home turn and put into the fence. And then he, he still, I got a bit of a split halfway down the running and he was he was motoring home to, to run into the money, I'm sure. And uh, that, that was the finish where Let's Elope had, had, had destroyed the, most of the field in the, in the finish to the line. And mm. uh, we, were, we were probably lucky to, to stand on our feet, John. So it, was, it certainly was a rough house race. You know, I, think I slept with the lights on for a few nights after that one. <laughs> and um, you got beaten two and a half lengths. He should have been in the finish. Definitely. I'll go to my grave thinking that he should have won. The, the better loosen up had had just as much bad luck in the races as I did. Uh, obviously, there was a protest with, with the race. Let's Lope won the race, but she caused a lot of interference towards the end. Um, well, we were in the steward's room for quite some time that night. Mm. Now, here's one. You got an unexpected thrill in 1995 to be asked to ride the legendary Rough Habit at his final Queensland start and the second last race of his great career. Now, Shane, how did you get on Rough Habit in the PJ O'Shea Stakes? Yeah, that was a, a just a, a matter of being at the right place at the right time. I uh, it, it was a Monday morning at... Um, at Eagle Farm, uh, track work, uh, it was the Monday after Doom and Cup, where the, the Ruffy had gone round in, uh, well, I, I hate to think how many Doom and Cups prior he'd been round in. And mm. I, he ran a creditable sixth or something like that, John, and, and Ross Elliott rode him in that race and uh, got suspended. And I was trotting back up the gap there through the middle of Eagle Farm and, and Johnny Wheeler was there, and he asked me if I had a ride in the in the O'Shea on Saturday. I, I simply said no, uh, and I, I can remember he, he said, "Do you want one?" I said, "Yeah, sure. What is it?" And he he said, "Rough habit." Good. Uh, well, I, I nearly fell off the horse I was on, mm. and um, yeah, that that's how that happened. Uh, so I, I I took the ride, and. Wheels asked me on the Thursday if I'd just uh, get on the little horse and take him for a canter around on the course proper mm. and then stretch his legs a bit for the race on Saturday. Uh, obviously, running running in the cup, cup previously, he didn't need any hard gallop. Mm. But I, um, he, he said just, you know, from the 1,000 metres, just let him canter along out there on that nice grass and, you know, he'll, he'll go a little bit quicker up the straight. Nothing serious. Mm. Well, the first time I'd ever got on his back, and you know, it's no mystery to know that he, he was a little, uh, dare I say, ugly horse. Plain as was day, under. wasn't he? He was as plain it, as day with a white eye. It, 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 his, 
his attribute was what was inside, not mm. was what was on the outside. Yeah. Um, but a, a real character and a mind of his own. Anyway, he t- he took me for a ride the the third morning, and he actually he galloped flat chat for a thousand meters. Uh, I he, was just a passenger; not much I could do about it. And he took he off. He actually ran. He ran pretty good time, really. If he if he was in the strad break, you would have. Yeah. It, it would have been a winning color. Anyway, we, I expected you'd be to shattered. Be, you'd be terrified to come back. I, I didn't want to come back. I <laughs> thought that's the end of my. I won't be riding this little horse on Saturday. Uh, be lucky if the if if wheels doesn't give me a clip over the year, which mm. I was. I, I would have expected that I, I deserved. Mm. But um, come back in and and he he had a smile from ear to ear, Johnny. And I thought he's he's a smiling assassin. This Kiwi horse trainer. <laughs> Um, yeah. He was he was wrapped. I apologised profusely for mm. my incompetence, but uh, Johnny just said, you know, when he's when he's in a mood like that, he'll be winning. Yeah. And he, he had a they both had a spring in their step, both horse and trainer. So uh, yeah. and lo and behold, the rest, you know, again, he, I only ever sat on that little horse twice, and he took me for rides both times. Yeah, the race unfolded. Uh, you were last of 20, Shane, at one stage. You were last of 20 in the O'Shea. Yeah, well, Johnny, if you can remember his, his Stradbroke win, you know, that was although we were stepping up to, mm. to uh, I think it was a 2,200-metre race, mm. you know, that was his, his pattern, his style. Um, and, yeah, coming to the 600, I can, I, again, I can remember uh, I, I wanted to get out and start moving into the race, but a, mm. a very narrow split come towards the inside and split second. I thought about it, but the, mm. the one thing who thought quicker than me was this little horse, and he just mm. went straight up in there. And, uh, into the gap, a yeah. A, a zigzag. He, he knew where he was going. He knew what he had to do. Mm. Uh, we we hit, the, hit the front at about the furlong. It's one of you know, the great Wayne Wilson's greatest calls. Mm. Um and I sort of eased him down. He, he won easy that day to the to the cheers of every every his dog on that that race day. It was an uh, emotional day. He was he was Queensland's adopted son, wasn't he? Rough habit. That they loved him. Uh, I think they stuck solid because he he was double figure odds. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure that the the story goes that uh, I thought the the QDC at the time. Put, put money on the bar to shout everyone in the in the members a, a free beer. But later on, Wheels told me that uh, he he'd given the club some money. Who, whoever whoever did it, the um, we we went down to the bar. It was late in in the evening. By the time I got out of the steward's room, and the beer and champagne was still flowing, and they they body surfed me. You you, you were no hope of getting to the front of the bar. Mm. So they body surfed me over the top of the crowd and. And I, I ended up uh, <laughs> sitting on the bar uh, drinking champagne after the last race. Um, it, very, very, very memorable day. Well, he, he was an amazing horse, Rough Habit. He's, uh, after that O'Shea win, he went home to New Zealand. He had one more run in the Foxbridge Plate at T. Rapa. He ran second and he was retired with a record of 74 starts for 29 wins, 23 placings. Three point eight million all those years ago, he won eleven Group Ones, two Stradbrokes, and three Doombin Cups. And uh, we'll just let it rest there. 
You only need to talk to country-based owners and trainers to realise that the Tab Highway concept has been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales. The scheme met with some opposition when introduced in 2015, but it wasn't long before the Tab Highways captured the imagination of regional horsemen. Early days, trainers like Matt Dunn, Matt Dale, Danny Williams and Terry Robinson dominated the weekly highways, but now there seems to be a different winning trainer every week. For bush owners, the prize money has been a revelation, while punters love the highways as a betting medium. From a media viewpoint, the highways seem to throw up a good story most weeks. The Tab Highways are a key component of the new face of New South Wales racing. Now, Shane, not long before your retirement, you got yourself on a very good horse from WA called Scenic Shot for trainer Len Morton. Now, your first three rides on the horse in 2009 resulted in a cracking hat trick, the Doomban Cup, the PJ O'Shea and the Brisbane Cup, which by then had been downgraded to Group 2 and reduced in distance to 2,400 metres. He carried 60 kilos in that Brisbane Cup. Yeah, and another horse that I was um, fortunate enough to, to get the ride on. Um, Dan Morton uh, was, his, was his trainer, but for the first couple of times, Len, who's Dan's father, um, exceptional horseman, had, had brought him over to, to Queensland. He'd campaigned here before, and... Uh, He'd, he'd had a run in the uh, in the eighteen hundred metre race at the Gold Coast. The, the race eludes me, but Damien Oliver uh, rode him in that. Mm. And I know the, the connections weren't too happy with with Ollie's ride. Um, however, they uh, Glenn Collis had ridden the horse before, and they asked uh, G whether he, he wanted to ride him again. And Glenn had a, another old uh, Kiwi war horse that he um, he was talking up. He didn't know which one to pick. My manager had put my name forward to ride him. He thought his run in the uh, in the Hollandale it is uh, was was quite sound. And lo and behold, Glenn picked the uh, the other New Zealand stayer, and and I ended up riding uh, Shoddy, which um, that carnival he only had the, the three races. He won all three, uh, set a a modern day weight carrying record in the in the Brisbane Brisbane Cup. Um, fantastic, gutsy horse, very plain looker, another one. You know, he he was getting on in years. He was a cranky uh, little devil, uh, but a, a, a tenacity, a will to win, great, great uh, breath. You know, you could never get to the bottom of, of that horse. Uh, and that's, Lenny had him had him that fit to, to win that race. Actually, John, when I, I pulled him up, he, he got the staggers with me. I, I, I feared the worst pulling up after the Brisbane Cup mm. because a lot of people, no, no horse had done it since Tullock carried that sort of weight. Mm. Um, and he, it, it was a, a wet track and I pulled him up over the back there and he, he got the wobbles and I thought, oh, we've, we might have, he, he's, he's tried too hard today, this, this big horse. But um, Len, I, I told Lenny when I come back, you know, just keep an eye on him. And uh, he rang me up Sunday morning, and I must admit, I, I feared the worst. I thought, oh, this isn't a good phone call. Mm. But he asked me to come down to the stables, and I did, and he was out picking him. And uh, oh, a little breeze sort of whisked through the trees down there, 
John and this horse, he, he leapt in the air, he kicked, he, he nearly got away from him. So, uh, again, you, you learn a lot from these horses, you know, and Lenny just said to me, you know, when when they're fit like that, you, you can't, and they no. try so hard. They'll, uh, you know, Bounce they're back. like, they, they do. So he, he was tied for the night, mm. but a, a bit of a rest and feed in his belly, and, and he was ready to go. We, we could have started him again. Mm. Um, it, it was fantastic. Well, you rode Scenic Shot several times in Melbourne in 2009, winning a Group 1 McKinnon Stakes, and then the horse had a tendon injury and he missed all of 2010. But miraculously, he made it back to the races. You rode him many more times and you finished up winning a second Doomban Cup on that very good stayer from WA Scenic Shot. Now, Shane Buck's pride was an enormously popular horse in Queensland in the 1990s. In fact, he never left Queensland. For all of his 72 starts, he won 21 of them. You rode him in 14 of those wins, including the Robins Kitchen Cup Group 2 on two occasions. Barry Higgins did a mighty job with Buck's Pride. He was another, he was a crowd favourite. He was a big grey horse, lovely horse. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I'd been been with him since a, a two-year-old, and every every year he come back bigger, stronger, and better. A, another horse that uh, I, I I just loved him. He knew he, he knew he was good, and he he loved to win. Um, I remember he, he won the Prime Minister's Cup at the Gold Coast, and he, he carried a, a stack of weight. Most times he was up in the weights. Um, and he, he really had to dig deep. But he was one of those horses that he would lunge on the line. Um, and it, probably the, the most infamous day I can remember with him was uh, he, he held the then record of most wins at Doombin mm. um, until Chief De Beers come along. Mm. And whilst Bucks was sort of carrying uh, you know 57 up to 60 kilos, the, the Chief was the new horse on the block with 53 on his back. And uh, there was one day there that the, the, the chief got up to beat him with, with the enormous pull in the weights. Mm. And, and Bucks, was, he, was, he was filthy on himself. I, I couldn't get him back to the enclosure. He bailed up coming back to the enclosure. He was that disappointed in himself. John, and it, it, mm. it sounds a little bit weird, but, you know, no, they're the sort of horses these, these good horses have. They, they, that they know, you know, it's... Uh, I sort of felt for him. We had a bit of a tear in his eye. and Yeah. Uh, he came you know, back but, in but, disgrace, did he? <laughs> he wasn't happy with himself. <laughs> you know, then the, but, but it was the new kid on the block. It was the changing of the guard. You know, yeah. the chief went on to, to break his yep. his Doombin record and, and what a little champion he was. So, mm. yeah, he, he was sort of towards you. He, he was getting older. Yep. Bucks, and, you know, the, the, the new ones come through and, and that was him, but had a lot of fun with Bucks. He, he got me out of a lot of trouble. If I'd go on one of my, my holidays, mm. I'd, I'd only, and was having a bit of a lean trot, I'd only have to wait for Bucks Pride mm. to, to come back into work. And, you know, and he'd, he'd lump, lump his 60 kilos in an open handicap and mm. win with his head on his chest, and I'd be looking around. And yeah. Because of the crowd cheer, he, uh, he <laughs> actually got me a, uh, a fan club. I do believe I was the only jockey at the time that, that had a, a fan club, at least one as as parochial as, as mine. They were a, mm. 
a group of, uh, they come from Victoria, I'm sure. They were a group of uni students. And I, I met them one day when I was in Melbourne. Um, many young fellas, but they, they applauded Buck's Pride as the horse that he was putting them through their, their uh, education, paying their hexes for them. So, mm. and they, they get round, they had banners and Shane Scriven t shirts and, and whatnot. <laughs> uh, I can remember it's the lovely. day I met them, there's, there was uh, six or ten young fellas, strapping yeah. young lads all dressed up. And I, I, just, I said, fellas, I really appreciate everything you're doing, but could you just get a couple of girls into the fan club? Would have been nice. <laughs> now, mate, I'd love to pay uh, tribute to all of the nice horses you rode, but we're getting on in time and there's a couple of very important points I've got to raise. So we'll just quickly pay lip service to Burdick and Blues, trained by Barry Baldwin. You won four races on him. Uh, Consular was a horse you loved. You won a Tats Mile and an Ascot Handicap on Consular. But most of our listeners, Shane, <coughs> will be wanting me to ask you about Victoria Derby Day 1995. Now, you're based in Melbourne for the carnival, you're riding work for several high-profile trainers, including John Hawkes. On the day, you rode one of Hawkes' stable runners in the first race on the card in which Darren Gauchy fell with a Hawkes runner and was ruled out of the Victoria Derby in which he was to ride the Great Octagonal. Now, you didn't expect to get the ride. In fact, you were dressed and almost ready to leave the jockey's room. What happened then? Yeah, John. Um, well, I, I can remember uh, Hawks. He had a, a couple of runners that Darren was to ride. Um, there was a, a filly in the. I'm sure it was the Wakeful. The she was. I thought uh, I'd, I'd been riding a fair bit of work for John, basing myself down there during the carnival, and mm. and was was forgetting the the second stable picks. And I thought I might have been a bit of a chance to get on the filly in, in the Wakeful, but. Um, uh, Wayne Harris was there, and and uh, Harry got the ride on her. And you're right, that that left oh, the the favourite in the in the derby was was remaining. And you're right, I was dressed all ready to go home. Mm. Never in my wildest dreams there was still uh, Grant, Grant Coxby was was sitting in the room. He, he'd ridden Oki before. There was mm. a high quality jockey sitting sitting in the room. Um, and lo and behold, you know, the, the first I knew that I was riding octagonal was the uh, the old guy that looks after the jockey's room and, and, and gives us his, our colours. Mm. Uh, he, he just come to me and handed me the colours. And, and I said to him, uh, who do you want me to give these to? Yeah. And he said, oh, you're riding that horse. Said, you know, what horse? Said, you're riding octagonal. So um, very exciting. You know, he obviously he was coming off a, a Cox Plate win, um, superstar horse, got my instructions, which were very plain and clear and direct. From John Hawkes? From Johnny. Yeah. Yes, yeah. What, uh, what did he say? Um, get him to settle and, and get him out wide to have one run at him. Uh, mm. That was it. Um, both, both Mr Ingham's were, were there. You know, they they introduced us to a to the to the crowd. Mm. It was it was sort of the start of you know it was a VRC derby tapping. You know mm. this mm. this was the this was the big one. Um, 
anyway, I'd, I'd got him to settle. He was having a nice run. Copped a, a bit of interference. I had one of the leading jockeys on my outside in the race. and Obviously, with Octagonal being a short price favourite, you don't expect any favours, but I do reckon this bloke was overdoing it on me a bit. Mm. Um, and then coming up to the to around about the, the 700, I thought, well, I've, I've got him to settle. I've had quite a nice run. Now I've got to get off. So I, I remember moved off the fence to think of you know, coming up home to, and you certainly didn't want to hit, hit the front too soon at Flemington. Um, and I remember Greg Hall zipped up on the inside of me. You, you can actually see if you – I've watched the replay goodness knows how many times. John, and you'll see you see me look back around because I immediately wanted to go back to the fence. Mm. But uh, my my thoughts were that I've got to get him to the outside. I got held up for, for quite some time, got out halfway down the straight, and, and he flashed to the line and, and run uh, nothing like a Dane to, to three quarters of a length or half a length or something like that. Yeah, I think it was three quarters, yeah. You know, his his run had come to an end at at the finish. You know, a lot of a lot of those three year olds aren't true stayers. Uh, unlike nothing like a Dane, he was nothing but a stayer. So we were certainly we were beaten by a better stayer on the day, but mm. certainly the best horse didn't win the race. Um, I was quite filthy on myself because I knew if if I had ridden the horse the way the runs presented themselves for me. Uh, I, I, to this day, believe that Octagonal would have won a, a derby. He, he deserved it. Uh, but I got I got in trouble from certain people, not uh, not everybody. A lot of people, you know, if you watch the race, thinks thinks he had his chance. But I know myself that if I could have done what I wanted to do, mm. um, I, I believe he would have won. I was more upset. But the horse deserved it. You know, he, he deserved to have a derby beside his name. But... Uh, it was certainly one of those ones that I'd, I'd like to have over again. Not too many of them, but uh, he's, he's one of them. Just over a year before you pulled the pin, you were involved in an incident at Ipswich that you'd rather forget. You rode a horse called Requested for Kelly Sweeter, not the most genuine horse either. Now, in the straight, your whip was knocked out of your hand by another jockey's whip causing you great frustration. Now, in the heat of battle, you had a fleeting mental fade-out and you snatched the other jockey's whip out of his hand. A few strides past the post, the reality of what you'd done hit home. And the cruel part is, Shane, you got beaten anyway. Yeah, Johnny, certainly another day that I'd like to uh, erase. Um, but you've, you've hit the, the nail on the head there. Uh, one, of, uh, one of my mates, Kelly Schweder, um, you know, I was I was known for my strength in the finish. And you're, you're right, this horse was a, he was a bit of a devil, mm. you know. So uh, the plan was that, you know, he, he needed hard riding. And I'd had quite a nice run uh, and, and got to the outside and he, he looked like he was just going to go on and win. But then that, that habit come and he started to put his head up and I thought, well, you know, this is, this is what I get paid for. And I, I went to pull my whip and the, the young apprentice, poor old Benny Looker, was on the inside and he was, <laughs> he was hanging out onto me. And uh, the first time I, I 
twisted my whip up. Uh, his his whip had come in contact with mine. Mine went flying, um, and he continued to to bore out. Meanwhile, I'm trying to do my best at coaxing my my non-winning animal to to put his head in front. Yeah, but you badly uh, needed I, a whip. I, I I needed the persuader, Johnny, <laughs> and this thing was was just glazing my my peripheral vision and. Um, <laughs> I had Kelly Sweeter's voice in the back of my head telling me, you know, this is what I'm paying you for. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I'd, I, what, what did you call it? A, a mental blockout. A mental fade-out. That's certainly what it was. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a good explanation for it. Uh, Johnny, I, um, I grabbed you know, Benny's, Benny's whipped and, and hooked it off him and got stuck into my horse. And, and you're right, we got beaten uh, Ahead on the line, yeah. and uh, but just to yeah, prove uh, your appreciation, a couple of strides past the post, you gave the whip back to Benny. Yeah, well, I'm not a thief, John. <laughs> so uh, there's a it, funny side it, to that story. There, there is a funny side to it. That's the side I like. You know, I paid the, I, I broke the rules. Uh, I, I did the, I did the crime. I did the time. Yeah. Um, it's it's always brought up at, at lunches. Uh, a lot of people, if you reenact mm. the the scenario or play the replay, a lot of people see the funny side of it. Mm. Uh, certainly, the punters, you know, for a, a jockey to do such a stupid thing all to to win a race, uh, you know, the, uh, that was something that I could could live with, all, albeit the most stupidest thing I've ever done on on the back of a horse. You were outed initially for five months. It was reduced immediately to four months because of your previous good record. You got it down even further to three months on appeal, so you were back uh, before you could uh, even think about it. Shane, the greatest testimony to your ability was the fact that you were able to win the 2008-2009 Brisbane Jockeys Premiership with 51 winners, given that you would have been getting half the opportunities the lighter top jockeys were getting at the time. Uh, that, I think, is your piece de resistance, an outstanding effort. Something I'm certainly proud of, John, but another certainty was uh, that that statistic was, was never on my radar. Um, you know, the, the reality of it was a, a heavyweight jockey like myself. It was an unrealistic goal to set. You know, I was quite happy running in the in the in the top five, um, but it, it was a it, it was a good year. Um, numbers that year were probably you know what, what did you say fifty one or fifty nine winners fifty one metropolitan it, winners amazing. Doesn't wouldn't wouldn't usually win you a, a premiership, but uh, I, I was on. In rare form and, and riding a lot of winners, and found myself with um, a, a couple of weeks to go. The sort of reality had set in that I am a chance of winning a premiership. So uh, yeah, I've, I've got my name up on a on a board there with with the best jockeys in in our country, and uh, yeah, certainly something that, as I said, never never set out to to achieve, but very proud that it come come along my way. Your 16-year-old daughter, Haley was very young when you quit the saddle, so she hasn't had to watch you suffering the horrors of the sweatbox. She's been spared something. 
Pretty much, yes. Uh, you know, Hallie is, uh, well, obviously the, the apple of my eye. Um, she was around, actually she was, <laughs> the, the, the funny what we call her, she, she was made in China but born in, uh, in Australia. <laughs> it was in my, in my travels overseas. Yeah. Um, and, and she was one reason, a small reason, in, in her early days, I think she probably last went to the races when she was, uh, you know, three or four before her school days. But she was, she was starting to pick up on it. She was a freak. She could pick me in a race, uh, no, no worries at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting to that age where, you know, I, I was, I was certainly difficult to to live with, um, with with my programming and, and what I had to do to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So she was a small factor in uh, in helping me to decide or when that day came along that you know I, I wanted to spend quality time with with her and not see the the, the rigors that I'd put myself to and the moods that I would get in um, and then to want to be left alone no no child should have to go through that so that that was one small thing uh, but she's all grown up now and yeah she's she's starting to, to venture out in into her own uh, future, uh, thankfully, it's not. Well, she's not that interested in the in the racing industry. She's she's had a couple of horse rides, but she's she didn't take to it. So uh, I'm I'm happy about that. Of course you are. Like Roy Higgins, you lasted much longer than family and friends ever predicted, and you did it through a love of the thoroughbred horse and a love of your craft. You left an indelible mark, Shane, uh, when you quit the saddle, and I hope you enjoy many more years developing the talents of young Queensland jockeys. And it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for your time. As long as uh, you keep doing what you're doing, Johnny, and we can we can reminisce about these times, and I know we'll uh, we'll probably be sitting down over a fire with Tommy that that gave you the ring to. Uh, to contact me and we'll have a few beers and we'll we'll keep reminiscing good old times. And I hope Tom, your mate Tom, who contacted me about this podcast, uh, has a listen and I hope he enjoys it. This podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by this Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, Racing and New South Wales. Wales.